Imagine if at a younger age you had, you could have a, a test, a DNA test that told you your risk of certain diseases and you were given advice like diet and nutrition advice, which is actually what the NHS wants to do as well. Like it's not only about giving you the right drugs or pharmaceuticals, it's about giving you the right lifestyle advice too. Um, and that you were in control of your health uh, more, much more so than you are now. You have all that information about yourself that you can work with and you have health professionals supporting you on that. You're not on your own. And um, we would be a much healthier society. I mean, it's just, it's kind of a no brainer. And it's a shame that the industry is always lagging behind the research, but I'm so happy that this is happening. Welcome back to Creating a Vegan World. Today we have Ellie Busby, and she is the founder of Vojo Health, and she is doing DNA testing to try to identify the perfect diet for you, where diets don't work for everybody the same. So this is a new industry that's coming out. There's a lot of research behind it. So I'm really excited to have her on the show and introduce you not only to her business, but the industry as a whole. So thank you for joining us, Ellie. Thank you for inviting me. Cool. So if you just want to jump right into what is the problem that this industry is solving and the problem we'll have that you could help solve? So the biggest problem is that there's no one diet fits all. And when we say diet, we don't mean like a weight loss diet or something like that. We mean the food you're eating uh, that's right for you. So we can see this mostly in a vegan diet because there are lots of nutrients which are a bit harder to get from a plant-based diet. Um, so we can really see that actually some people are very well suited to a vegan diet and they find it easy. Uh, and then other people find it more difficult uh, straight away, or they might find it okay for the first few years and then find it difficult later on. Um, and the main problem is, you know, it's difficult to track all your nutrients all the time, see if you're getting everything you need. And even if you do that, how do you know that that's right for you? So exactly like you said at the beginning, we're all different. and Figuring that out is really hard. Um, and, you know, the number one reason that people give up on a vegan or a plant-based diet is because of health issues. They experience health problems, which sounds crazy because we know that a vegan diet can actually help a lot of health issues, chronic health conditions like diabetes and heart disease or whatever else. But instead, people then experience things like anemia or fatigue or they're hungry all the time. So they're still giving up, they're swapping one health issue for, for something else, you know, and that's the main reason people give up. And that's really what drives me. Definitely. And from other people I interviewed on this channel and from my personal experience, it's hard to find the right nutrition advice in general. So there's a lot of people who are social media influencers. They might not have a nutrition background. And then a lot of doctors, they're not trained in plant-based nutrition. So there's a lot of confusion out there, but and um, speaking to Lisa Simon, she's a registered dietitian in the UK, and she focuses on people with gut health issues where some people, they don't react well to like beans and other things like that. So it's really cool what you're doing. And I think one thing you might want to add uh, or elaborate on, there's a study where like identical twins could have different reactions to certain foods. And there's research about that. Do you want to talk more about the solution as well as the research behind it? 
Yeah, for sure. So obviously, if we're all different, then the solution to these dietary issues is personalizing your diet. How do you do that? Well, there are a lot of studies on what can determine uh, which foods work best for you and which foods don't work for you and which nutrients you need more of. And I think the study you're referring to is, is the PREDICT study where um, I think it's from um, University College London. Uh, they, uh, they took a lot of, of twins, um, identical twins and, and just uh, normal people to see what was determining the differences between their metabolism and like their body's responses to food. Um, and they found that uh, genetics do have quite a big impact on certain areas, uh, but also the gut microbiome has an impact. So uh, the level of bacteria in your gut, how they metabolize uh, the different foods have an impact on your, um, on your triglyceride levels, on your, on your basically the fats that are in your blood. Uh, whereas your genetics have more of an impact on, on your glucose levels, like how, how you respond to the carbohydrates that you're eating. And we know that there's very strong genetic candidates for diabetes and how susceptible you are to that. I mean, this is just one area. And in these studies, they focus on macronutrients, but there are so many studies also for micronutrients as well. Um, and we can go into more of those if you like. I could speak forever about this. So. Absolutely. If you want to go more into detail, it's great. Okay. Um, so one, let's talk about iron because iron is, is quite a big deal on, on a vegan diet. You know, lots of people are susceptible to anemia. Um, and, you know, you'll, you'll generally meet two kinds of people, people who are susceptible to anemia and pretty much always have low ferritin levels, which is your body's way of storing iron. And the people that don't ever have to think about it and their ferritin and iron levels are always fine. And now there are strong genetic components for this. I'm one of the people that's always fine. I never have to think about my iron levels, um, which is great. But on the flip side of that, that's because I have a gene which increases my iron absorption. Now, um, at some point in time, this was very useful for survival because you know we weren't eating much meat. My ancestors weren't eating much meat. This is this gene comes from Northern Europe, and um, and you know the, the iron content of the soil was quite low. So we really needed to be absorbing more iron. And this is where genetic mutations become common when they become useful. So this mutation popped up um, and it's called the hemochromatosis gene. Uh, and it meant that people with this gene could absorb way more iron and they were healthier. That was great at that time. But in the modern world, you know, when we're eating a lot of red meat, we're eating a lot of iron, easily absorbable iron, that actually has a negative impact. So if you have this gene and you're eating a high meat diet, you could be really impacting your health with this. Like this can lead to diabetes and cardiovascular disease. So if you have this gene, you're better off on a plant-based diet. If you don't have this gene, and if you actually have more problems storing iron and absorbing iron, then you need to, like a plant-based diet is still great, but you need to be thinking more about how to get that iron, whether you need to supplement. Whereas for me, supplementing could actually be harmful. So, I mean, this is just one example. There are so many. Absolutely. Yeah, I think when I first heard about this industry, this the analogy was one identical twin could have peppers have that suppress the gene for cancer, where that same, the other twin, the same exact food could enable the gene to express cancer. So I think that's, does that sound about right? And I think the DNA testing is really how you figured this out. Do you want to talk more about that? 
Yeah, gene expression is is a bit different. So there are, there are two ways this can go. There's how your genes affect your nutrient needs. That's nutrigenetics. Nutrigenomics is how your food affects your genetic expression. So yeah, there are there are like it's a kind of bi-directional relationship and you need to really be considering both. So yeah, it's it's a very uh, interesting field and with personalized uh, nutrition we usually focus on nutrigenetics. So what your genes are like and how that influences what you need to eat. What foods influence genetic expression is a bit more complicated. There's a lot of, I guess, is there ongoing research in that? That area is one of more research than the other? Yeah, I would say there's more research in nutrigenetics. Um, there's a lot of research going on in nutrigenomics too, but it's, it's a newer field. So it's a, it's a field we need more research in for sure. Definitely. That's why I love doing interviews on this channel because I had one piece of information years ago and then you have a much deeper level understanding of it. So thanks for that. Do you want to talk more about the, I guess, the DNA testing that you're rolling out, how it works and what the solution is for people identifying what's best for them? Yeah, sure. Um, so having a DNA test like this can really help you in a few areas. If you find that, you know, your diet isn't kind of matching up to how you feel, it's not making you feel good. It, maybe you feel fatigued, or maybe you find that you gain weight easier than other people. This is another big area for nutrigenetics, how your genes affect your eating habits and your, your weight gain tendencies. Um, and something like your sport performance. So for me, with Vojo, we work a lot with people who are looking to uh, lose weight in the best way for them or maintain a healthy weight in a personalized way and um, to improve sport performance, to overcome fatigue, all of this kind of stuff. So yeah, if you want to talk about, about weight, there's a very interesting uh, collection of genes. Um, one of the main ones is called FTO, and there is, there is a lot of, of information on this, on, um, of studies on this. And a recent one came out too last, last year, which was, which was quite huge, um, and it, if you have this gene, I mean, at one point this was really useful, you know, FTO means that you tend to store more fat, your metabolism is a bit different. So it's more difficult to lose weight. You tend to eat more. So it, it kind of changes your, your leptin, your ghrelin levels, which are your hunger and your satiety hormones. So you always kind of, you never feel full, you know, you can just carry on eating and you know, these people, there are people who can just carry on eating and they don't know when they're full. And then there's the people that can just eat one portion of food and then it seem to be fine. I don't understand those people. I have the FTO gene. So for me, I, I could carry on eating forever. But knowing that I have this gene is, was incredible for me. Learning this was incredible because it meant that I understood my tendencies. I finally understood that, you know, I'm not like everybody else. I will keep eating. And it's something that I need to be aware of. Um, and also eat more protein. So if you're on a plant-based, people who have this gene tend to actually follow meat-based diets. There's research for this because that they tend to be higher in protein. And these, if you have the FTO gene, you need more protein to feel full. So I just added a lot more protein to my plant-based diet and that has helped tremendously. So if you're one of those people who has tried a plant-based diet and you know you always feel hungry, then this could be you as well. And eating more protein is incredibly important. So um, when it comes to like basic recommendations of you need this much protein per day, this much iron per day, based on what you're saying is that other people like those 
those numbers are not set in stone where some people need this much, others need this much. And those are just like kind of baseline recommendations. Is that true? Uh, so it depends on the, on the nutrient or the area we're talking about. Generally it's, it's not set in stone like the exact amount that you need based on your genes. It's just your tendency. Like your tendency is that you might need more protein. Like this is the, the general amount that's recommended, but you might want to aim for a bit more. So it's like having a DNA test like this is a great starting point for personalizing your diet, but it's not going to tell you eat exactly this at exactly this time. You still have to um, experiment with things and see what works for you. But it takes away so much of the trial and error. So yeah, it's a big experiment. And uh, that's the fun part, right? That's the hardest part of like the guesswork when you remove the guesswork out of it, at least you have some type of guiding path and makes it more fun. So could you take me through the process of the DNA testing? Cause it's still kind of new to me. Is it where I get like an at-home test kit? Do you take like a swab from like saliva from the mouth? Does someone come and do blood work? And then what happens after like, you say you go to the website, you order it, what happens step-by-step? for like a customer going through it. Great point. You know, I get this question so much, like, do I have to have a blood, like a, a blood test? I'm like, no, it's actually easier than doing a COVID test. Like it's, it's definitely less painful. Um, so all you do is you, yeah. So with, not just with Vojo, but with any um, DNA testing company, when you buy it, they'll send you a kit through the post and it's just a saliva swab. I wish I had a kit here to show you, um, but you just swab your cheek. So you wanna like just scrape off a few cells from your cheek and like, it's not painful. Like I just made it sound painful, but it's just a swab. Compared to the COVID um, test, nothing's painful. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. No nose involved and no throat involved. Um, and then you send it to the lab and um, with the lab that, that we use at Bojo, they take about uh, two weeks, usually a maximum of two weeks. Um, if you go with someone like 23andMe, it can take like six to eight weeks because um, especially if you're in the UK or Europe or somewhere because the lab is usually quite far away. Um, so yeah, it takes for us up to two weeks and then we get the raw data back, which then goes through our algorithm, uh, which uses the most recent research to give you your results. Definitely, like the results that come back, is like, for example, you're saying the iron where you need like, does it give diet recommendations or what exactly would I get? Yeah, so with our results, we take you through the most important nutrients, B12, folate, iron, zinc, uh, magnesium, like there are, there are 12 main nutrients that we go through that tend to be more difficult to get on a plant-based diet. Um, and we tell you your tendencies, we tell you about your genes. Uh, and then we also, we have seven sections to our report. So nutrients is one. We have a sport report, which tells you how to fuel and like how to optimize recovery uh, if, you're, if you're into sport. Um, a, a metabolism and weight report. So it tells you, exp explains to your genes related to, to weight management um, and how you, can, how you can optimize your weight management in a personalized way. Um, a disease risk report as well. So things like your risk of diabetes, um, but also some genetic conditions as well, like hemochromatosis, what I talked about earlier with the iron, um, your risk of Alzheimer's disease, which has a very strong component to it. And, um, you know, I'm, it shocks me how this isn't widely available uh, from health services, like having this DNA test to see if you're at much higher risk of Alzheimer's disease, because dementia is one of the, the main diseases which we have a problem with nowadays. And knowing this, you know, could change people's lives. 
Um, so that's that's one of yeah, that's one of the main things we look at. Um, what am I forgetting? Uh, there's a few others. Definitely. So I know like in the past, it was like if your parents have a certain disease or something, it makes you more prone to it. But this this could give you more like the exact information, more raw information. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Like if you have a family history, you can already get some idea of what you're prone to. Um, for example, on my dad's side, there's dementia. On my mum's side, there's diabetes. But I, you don't know from that exactly what you've inherited because, you know, on my mum's side, there are uh, diabetes genes but on my dad's side there aren't so I could be lucky and it turns out like I'm lucky in a way I don't have the diabetes genes but I do have the Alzheimer's genes so you know mm -hmm. it's like it's still important to know what you've actually inherited. Definitely and I think it goes back to what we were saying before the two types of testing where let's say you know you have the Alzheimer's gene does it give you enough information at this point where you know what you could do about it at an early age to help prevent it? Yes, there is so much research on this gene. It's you would you would not believe it. There is so much. Um, and, you know, you do really need to start early. There are lots of recommendations on what you can do dietary and lifestyle. Uh, some of them maybe not be manageable, you know, so if you have the Alzheimer's gene, it turns out that it, it seems like a ketogenic diet is the best thing you can do. We have research on this. Um, and you know, no research is ever conclusive, uh, but there is strong enough evidence to try it. However, if you're following a plant-based diet, a ketogenic diet could be quite difficult. So just increasing your fat intake is one thing you can do and reduce your carbohydrate intake or like your refined carbohydrate intake. Because if you have this gene, your brain is not good at dealing with um, glucose and sugar. It's much better at burning fats for fuel. So that's just one thing. Also, obviously, omega-3, um, you need to start early. Like, you know, there's there's research that shows that this helps, but when you give old people omega-3 who already have dementia, it doesn't help because it's too late. You need to start actually in your 30s and 40s um, to have the best, uh, the best chance of having an impact. I have the omega-3 supplement in my cabinet and I haven't taken it in about a month. So thanks for the reminder on that. <laughs> So um, it's really cool on the customer side. And as this channel, I interview like the bigger picture thing. So the industry as a whole, like you mentioned on our last conversation where there's a lot of research that's been around for many, many years, but it hasn't been until like recently before I really even heard about it. And I'm kind of in the know in a lot of things. So besides like spreading awareness for this industry, what other opportunities are there for people who might want to get involved? Maybe they're entrepreneurs, investors, or they're just interest in helping the industry grow? Yeah, I mean, oh, there is so much opportunity in this sector, especially, um, I don't know about Australia, but in the UK, we're like, we're kind of at the forefront of, of uh, genomics research, especially because the NHS are funding so much of it. So we have the UK Biobank, which is a huge collection of, of genetic data um, from, a, from a huge sample of, of people. And this is used all over the world by, um, by people studying uh, nutrigenetics. Um, and also the NHS are planning to launch their personalized healthcare service, which takes into account genetics, uh, things like the Alzheimer's gene, things like your, your genetic tendency to, to develop diseases. Um, they're planning to launch this like in the, the mid 2020s. So this is happening soon. Um, and it's, 
it's just really, really cool. So, you know, there's lots of opportunities for, for scientists to use the UK Biobank, this data set, but there's also opportunities for, for more companies to, to come up and, and utilize all this data that we have. Um, the, the limitations I see in this sector so far are the fact that, okay, so when a few years ago, when these DNA testing kits came, became available, there were some people that tested them from a few different companies and compared the results. You can read some of the reviews online and a, a few of them are like, well, I got different results from these companies. So what's that about? It doesn't make any sense. And you know, it's true. There isn't any standardization for these private companies. There's no standardization in terms of how they interpret the results. It's just up to them what studies they use. And I looked into a few of these uh, companies. I'm not going to name names, but um, because I was interested in how they ended up with different results. And it turns out that some of these companies use very poor quality studies to give results. So for example, some, some companies were using animal studies to back up their claims. And it's like animal studies are a great start for science, but in my opinion, you can't use them to give people recommendations for what they should do with this information about themselves. Because, you know, a lot of the time, dietary, uh, the dietary needs of a rabbit or a rat are very different to humans. So you just can't do this. So I feel like a big opportunity would be um, if there was a kind of standardization, a body who would standardize the results or at least certify um, the, the recommendations that these companies are providing. Uh, and not only would that level the playing field, it would mean that people are getting good results that they can trust. Um, and, you know, the last thing we need is, is uh, bad recommendation, more bad recommendations in nutrition. I think, you know, there's enough on the internet for people to deal with. Oh yeah, filtering through that's largely impossible. And uh, yeah. yeah, I interviewed a bunch of people. I've been doing a lot of research on like the medical research studies, diet research studies. And one of them, I guess, he did the broad study where it shows the plant-based diet was the one diet that is shown in the study to lose weight without restricting calories or exercise. So that's Dr. Luke Wilson. He's on my channel here, but um, I interviewed some other people that said interesting facts where there's a lot of research studies showing about how much omega-3s you need or different things like that. But most of the sample size was based on car or not carnivores, omnivores, people who eat meat. Whereas they say when people switch to a plant-based diet, their microbiome and everything is different. So different studies, like they might be flawed from the beginning. So it's really good to hear that you're in tune with that and looking for the making sure you get the right information. Yeah. Yeah, microbiome is extremely interesting. You're right. Like your your gut bacteria can change, you know, within a week. There are studies that show when you go on a two-week holiday and you come back, your microbiome is completely different. You know, it doesn't take long for this to happen. So you're totally right. We need to take this into account when we're looking at nutrition studies. Absolutely. So if I'm a on a plant-based diet and I do this type of test, I want to make sure the study comes from that, whereas other people may have different information. So there's a lot of opportunities. So I guess with a promotion, with companies starting, with a research where everybody can get involved. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, do you want to talk more about, I guess, what your company is, what your company does? Yeah, sure. Um, so at Vojo, we our mission is to be the kind of one-stop shop for plant-based nutrition and health. So there is so much information out there for people who are going plant-based, who, who want to make the change. 
but there's really not much good support or information for people who have already made the change and want to support their health or want to optimize their health or want to overcome the issues associated with being on a plant-based diet for, for a number of years. Um, so yes, we offer personalized nutrition, we offer DNA testing. We're soon going to be launching a crowdfunding campaign to launch a blood testing service as well. So not only can you look at your genetic tendencies, you can then track those changes that you make in your diet by looking at your blood, which is much easier than, you know, it's easier to have a blood test every six months than it is to track your, your nutrition intake and subjectively how you feel every day. Um, so yeah, think like the idea is Healthline for Vegans breeds with Thriva for vegans. I don't know if you've heard of Thriva actually in, in Australia but or New Zealand, but um, uh, yeah, the information that you need plus the personalized aspect as well to monitor your vegan health. Great, and what's the website? Can you spell it out for people listening to this? Yeah, so Vojo is V-O-J-O dot health. So yeah. Great. I think I have two more questions lined up. So the name of the channel is Creating a Vegan World. I'm filming Creating a Vegan World documentary. So how does this help us in creating a plant-based or vegan world? So as we mentioned before, one of the biggest issues is people running into issues on a plant-based diet, like health issues. Um, for example, anemia, fatigue, um, inflammation issues, brain fog, uh, you know, just not feeling cognitively there. These are all issues, or like even your hair falling out, these are all issues that people face. Um, and, you know, a lot of people blame it on the diet and they give up, fair enough. Uh, but what if you could make your diet suit you, uh, to your genes, to what you need? Um, and this is, you know, this is where Vojo comes in. The way that Vojo supports a he healthier plant-based world or even personalized nutrition in general is by supporting the people who are already making that change to make it sustainable. You know, there is so much, as I said, there's so much support for people making the change. There's not much support for sustaining it. So um, that's how I see Vojo's role in creating a healthier plant-based world. That's amazing. I love that you're doing that because as a vegan, I want to set a role. So if I want to help promote veganism or plant-based eating, I want to make sure I'm, on, I'm in good health where some people, they might not get the right nutrients or I might overindulge in junk food. So knowing what is best for me, that's really great that you're doing that. I just want to maybe throw in one more question where I didn't write down of my list of questions to ask you, but in the bigger picture things, you say the government in the UK is rolling out these tests through their health system. What's the ideal version of the world? Like, what will the world look like when this is fully rolled out? And I guess the mission of the industry is achieved. Imagine if at a younger age, you had, you could have a, a test, a DNA test that told you your risk of certain diseases. And you were given advice, like diet and nutrition advice, which is actually what the NHS wants to do as well. Like it's not only about giving you the right drugs or pharmaceuticals, it's about giving you the right lifestyle advice too. Um, and that you were in control of your health, uh, more, much more so than you are now. You have all that information about yourself that you can work with and you have health professionals supporting you on that. You're not on your own. And um, we would be a much healthier society. I mean, it's just, 
it's kind of a no-brainer and it's a shame that the industry is always lagging behind the research but i'm so happy that this is happening um yeah that's great yeah i always look to the future 20 years 30 years in the future the industry will catch up to the research everything get out there and i love hearing these stories so sorry throwing a little curveball there but that's amazing cool um is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap this up or um I don't think so. What would you, I have a question for you. What would you find most interesting? Um, or what would you want to discover from, from a, doing a DNA test like this? For me personally, um, great question. I know I've tested uh, low in B12, very low B12 levels as a vegan for three years and even before I went vegan. So understanding, the thing I found most interesting is you said like the history of it where like you said, in Northern Europe, you don't, you know, your ancestors need a lot of meat. So you absorb iron, you have that genetics and there's different mutations. Figuring out those things, that's the most interesting, but I guess at the practical level, it's why is my B12 game low? And of course I wasn't supplementing at the time. Um, just, I don't know, I'm just curious about everything. It's really interesting. <laughs> I guess, Cool. yeah. Do you, do you supplement now? Yeah, I take a, was it a, a thousand microgram B12 tablet every day? And then I was taking vitamin D for a while because I was really low on that. And, but the other than that, I got my blood test, I think a year and a half ago. And those were the only two big things. I think my iron was borderline low, but still within levels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's super interesting. But, um, and yeah, yeah. go ahead. Well. I was gonna say other interesting things is like about like family history of things where I know if parents have high cholesterol, high triglycerides, blood pressure issues, or things like that, is it truly uh, genetics or is it lifestyle based? And there's ways to figure that out. So if my father has high blood pressure, am I destined to walk that path as well? Or will my plant-based diet take me off of that? Or if there's other things I could do when you mentioned getting those results in the test at the young age, and knowing what you can do, empowering people, that's what I find the most interesting. Yeah, exactly. Empowering people to, to take control of their health. Like there's no excuse anymore, you know, you can, um, you're, you're in control of that shit. Um, Absolutely. And you're gonna, say anything, you're gonna say something before I cut you off? No, I was gonna say that uh, with, with high cholesterol and things like that, there are usually loads of genes which contribute to this. Sometimes with high cholesterol, there is there are a couple of genes which are very strong predictors of high cholesterol, but that's usually when it starts at an early age, you know, there's a very strong component. But other than that, there are there are a lot of genes which contribute. For example, mm -hmm. the Alzheimer's gene is one that contributes to high cholesterol as well. So so yeah. What about certain things about certain cravings? So like personally, I crave fatty foods like potato chips or fried foods, things like that. Other people crave sweet foods. Do you know if that's is it a microbiome thing? Cause I ate a lot of like potato chips in the past or do you have any information on that type of thing? Uh, yes. So there are genes associated with um, your taste preferences. So, and also with how, how much sugar you consume. So there are people who, you know, they don't have genes related to um, blood sugar imbalance but they have genes related to blood, um, sugar consumption. So they tend to eat more sugar and enjoy the taste more of sugar. 
The same as with fat. So actually, if you have um, the reduced fat perception genes, which means that you don't recognize the taste of fat like other people do, it means you tend to eat more fatty foods because you can't really tell that you're eating a lot of fat. So I have this as well. So I always have to be careful of like overeating fatty foods because, you know, I just, I don't have that signal that tells me to stop because I can't mm -hmm. taste it in the same way. Um, so yeah, you have that for sugar and fat, but you also have it for bitter. So some people are bitter tasters and some people aren't. Um, and the non-bitter tasters are usually the ones that can eat loads of bitter foods and it, like they're fine with it. The, the bitter tasters are the ones that eat less of it because they're more sensitive to the taste. Interesting. So if I'm more sensitive to the taste of fatty foods and I'll probably crave it less. Is that if you're more sensitive to the if you're more sensitive to the taste of fatty foods, yes, you probably eat it less because you have those signals. You're like, oh yeah, you have that strong kind of taste receptor signal. And it kind of tells your brain when you've had enough of that type of food. Whereas if you don't, you might you, you just tend to eat more of it. And do you have any like strategies for like how to get around that? So let's say like I was diagnosed with high triglycerides. It's probably from the fatty foods or pasta, things like that. Is it just a matter of like using willpower and psychology to get around that? Or are there other like health strategies you use for those types of things? So we have studies that show, studies have looked into this, like does the knowledge of knowing your genes change the, um, how likely you are to take on board the advice? And it turns out that it probably does. So if you know, that it, this is advice personal to you, that it personally affects you because of your genes and because of your genes, you really should listen to this advice. You are more likely to take on board that advice, actually make those habit changes. So it might not be easier physically, but mentally it's easier because you really know that this advice is for you and it's gonna help you. It's amazing. I think we talked about hours for this, but I guess we'll just leave your website. I'm sure you have resources and information on there. It's Vojo Health, sorry, Vojo.health, not the dot com. Mm -hmm. So um, if anybody wants to learn more about her DNA tests, about what she does, there's going to be links in the description if I post this on YouTube, on LinkedIn, Facebook, or anywhere on social media. Otherwise, visit the website. And thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Andrew. This was great.